Our faith journey is a story unique to each individual and is constantly being written. No two people are identical, no two days are alike, but God is the same. This is the Real Stories of Life with God podcast, a place for honest conversations about life and faith. I'm your host, Chelsea Eubank, and I'm really glad you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, Maggie, thank you again for making the time to talk to me on the podcast. It's going to be marvelous. Tell us about yourself. Yes. So uh, my name is Maggie and I have a lot of roles, but my favorite one is a wife and a mom. Um, I'm married to a worship pastor um, named Will, and he and I live in Michigan with our two kids, Penny and Oliver. Um, But besides that, I am a business owner. I run a digital marketing business primarily focused on helping um, faith-based or faith-influenced organizations communicate well. Um, at my business, we believe that that clarity is kindness. I don't remember who first said that. It wasn't me, but um, clarity is kindness. And in a culture right now where the church and Christians really are not viewed as being kind, um, our mission is to help help regain that reputation of kindness through clarity mm-hmm. and clear communication. And in addition to that, yeah, I just love serving at my local church. Uh, I preach um, serving our student ministries and yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking, like we've been friends for a long time. I'm like, did you ever, I don't know. I feel like you kind of had that creative, reflective mentorship spirit, even in high school, because you did it for me. And so I wonder like back then, did you, did you imagine that this is what you'd be doing? You know, like, cause the, your creative copywriting was kind of like two years old. Is it two or three years old? Yeah. Three years. Um, three years. And then like the preaching is not new, but new. You know, yeah. like, I mean, you've probably been leading conversations in small groups and, and teaching things kind of your whole life, but I don't know. It's like a lot of things I'm like, this is exactly what Maggie is doing. Like, this is exactly what she should be doing. And I've seen that like the whole time I've known her, you know, so it's just really cool that when it works out like that. Yeah. I was or when God about, works it out like that. Yeah. I was thinking about this just the other day, actually. Um, I don't remember who said it. I must've seen it on Instagram or something, but someone said, um, if you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, look back at what God has had you do all along. Hmm. And I, I don't know if that's true in every case, but it's definitely been true for me because when I, like you said, when I look back on things that I was doing, even as a kid, like I was really shy. And so I never necessarily thought that I would be doing public speaking. I don't know if you Hmm. remember me as being shy. I felt really shy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, young, young Maggie, like an elementary yeah. school used to line up her stuffed animals and preach to them out of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Who's surprised? No one, anyone who listens to this is going to be like, nope, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> well, yeah. So all that to say, I think Jesus <laughs> is just really cool. And yeah. I love it. Okay. So at the beginning of every conversation, I like to read a few of the verses that inspired two of these questions in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he replies, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. My first question for you is what currently stirs your love for God? Yeah. So definitely, I mean, you already touched on this definitely, definitely discipleship. 
meeting with, um, with younger women or women who might even be the same age as me, but um, just by nature of how life worked out, they're maybe one step behind in terms of um, they're just now starting to have kids or they just got married. And so those relationships, being able to pour out into those and then like on the back end, having people pour into me who are one step mm-hmm. ahead of me, that reminds me constantly that that God is bigger than my current circumstances and bigger than, than the way I see him and the way I think about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier that I serve in our student ministries and we started this thing over the summer called dinner and discipleship where one Thursday every month, our student, our high school, our high schoolers, not middle schoolers, it's just high schoolers. They come over to my house. I order pizza. They pick the topic and we just walk through for two hours. What does the Bible say about this topic? And it is my favorite thing we do. We do a lot of stuff at our church because we're a multi-site mega church, but that once a month, two hours in my living room or in my backyard is literally the thing that sets my heart on fire for Jesus. Mm-hmm. We, uh, this last Thursday, actually we had one and the, the students who come, many of them, not all of them, but many of them either come from like a broken home or, or a home where their parents aren't believers and aren't necessarily the most supportive of them attending church. And so to provide that safe space for them in a home to encounter Jesus just feels so powerful to me. Mm. I love that a lot. Yeah. And, um, and I think, sorry, cut you off. No, but no. I think it also is a humble reminder to me that I don't need to have all the answers, mm. right? Like they're, they're teenagers, yeah. but they're almost in many ways discipling me just as much as we're discipling them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder too, I like, I like what you mentioned with the humble, the humility piece, because something I feel like is a shift that I'm learning in parenting. Now, obviously we have a three-year-old and a three month old, you know, so we're, we're on the cusp of this, but I think there is a kind of classic way of doing it that I just tell her everything as opposed Mm -hmm. to kind of leading her to figuring it out, asking questions and helping her get there. You know, like what I, because one is quicker and sometimes more efficient, but the other one might be a lot more lasting, you know? So in that environment, like, yeah, you're probably going to bring up the scripture or or say what you think is wise and helpful and insightful, but then you're also going to say, now, you know, so-and-so brought this up another so-and-so, what do you think about that? How does that make you feel? What is that? You know, like kind of helping them connect the dots themselves and like seek the Lord themselves instead of us just telling them what they should think. Yeah. You know, I think that's huge. Yeah. I love the way you said that. It made me think of the phrase microwave Christianity. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're not trying to give them a microwave Christianity. We're trying to mm-hmm. give them a faith that lasts throughout their lifetime. Yes. Yes. I love that. It's beautiful. My other question on the flip side of this is, is there anything that currently stifles your love for God? So many things. (laughs) (laughs) Just being honest. I'm trying to figure out how to say this in 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 an articulate way, because I think another way to say something that, that stirs my love for God is words. Um, words stir my love for God, preaching words, reading the word, um, listening to the words of others in discipleship relationships, but just like our personalities, a lot of times 
our strengths, there are shadow sides to our strengths and our personality. There are also shadow sides to things that show up in our, in our relationship with God. Right. So Mm. the thing that stirs my love for God is discipleship and specifically words. The thing that kind of stifles that is words. (laughs) Mm. Um, My own cutting words that I speak to others, the words in my, in my mind about myself and my inadequacies and the words of others that criticize me and gossip about me. Um, in this season, for some reason, I have just really, really, really been wrestling with the power of the tongue mm. and how, um, okay. So I've been reading a lot about wisdom and reading in wisdom literature in the Bible and over and over again, what the the theme I see coming up is if we seek wisdom, wisdom is, comes from fear of the Lord, knowing God. So developing a love for God and the opposite of wisdom many times, especially in Proverbs is when we use our, our mouths, not well, mm. <laughs> when we, when we speak words that are, um, are foolish, are angry, are full of gossip, are full of opinion instead of truth. That is unwise. Mm. And when we are unwise, we stifle our own love for God and the love of God from others. It's mm. good. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know me. I'm, for those who aren't familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram eight. And, <laughs> That means my words can be very harsh and harsh, especially when I don't realize it. And so um, when I hurt the people I love most with my words and I see what my words have wrought, mm-hmm. that cuts me to the core. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, when others, when their words affect me, when, when I hear words that are said about me, when I hear gossip that's being um, spread about me, which honestly in this season, for some reason has been happening a lot. Mm. It really breaks my heart and makes me Uh. feel like I have to move into self-preservation mode when Mm. God is actually calling me to self-sacrifice. So I think in that way, that's, that's how it, that's how it's stifling my love for God because it words, the, the power of my words the negative power of my words and the negative power of the others, others words against me tempts me to self-preservation mm-hmm. instead of laying down my life, which is what Jesus calls us to do. Right. I've been thinking about particularly in terms of other people gossiping about me. Um, I was praying the other day and realizing that people gossiped about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. So if I'm so concerned with what people are saying about me, and, and I'll be honest, um, when it first started happening, I felt guilty. I felt ashamed. I felt like if people are talking about me and spreading, spreading untrue things about me, then that means I'm doing something wrong. Mm. And when I was referring to self-preservation, what it made me want to do is put walls up and not yeah. get as close to people and ministering to them. Uh, kind of cut off the access that that some people in our congregation had to me because I was afraid of what getting my hands dirty in ministry would do for my reputation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that's not what Jesus did, right? Jesus leaned in. He continued to minister to others, even though all these these words and stories were swirling around about him, some that were good and true and some that weren't. Mm. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to look it up right now, actually, one of the things in, on Thursday um, in our last dinner in discipleship with our students, we talked about Galatians 6. The topic that our students asked us to, to cover was how to handle other Christians who are unloving, hmm. which is like, okay, you guys, <laughs> right. Just go big real quick. You know? Okay. And unknowingly wanting to talk about the thing that I'm currently struggling yeah. with. Thank you <laughs> for that. So, but we talked about Galatians six, well, starting Galatians five about how um, we are called to live by the spirit and how the fruits of the spirit, all of those things, um, they're not fruits of my labor. They're fruits of the mm. spirit's work in me. So I can't manifest those things on my own. I can't um, meditate on a sentence about being loving so much that I suddenly become loving. It's by yeah. abiding with Christ that the fruits of the spirit develop in me, which is so okay. effective to, to my, to, to my <laughs> desire to self-preserve. Right. Yeah. Um, but then in Galatians six, it says, Uh, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the spirit, you who are filled with the spirit, with all those fruits that you didn't get on your own, on your own merit, you should restore that person gently. And then verse two, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so what we talked about is that carrying each other's burdens in the context of this passage is carrying that person's burden of sin. So when, when I see you in sin, when I see your mess, I'm not going to self-preserve and put up walls so that I don't get messy. Instead, I'm going to lean in, carry that burden with you and get messy right along with you, because that's what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love and mm-hmm. love does not self-preserve. It self-sacrifices. That is good. I wonder, I wonder too, a different mindset too, is like, if I'm operating out of scarcity or abundance, we talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like if I'm operating out of a scarcity, then I will self-preserve and self-protect. Cause I don't, but like when you said, like if someone's dealing with something, I want to put my walls up so I don't get messy as opposed to leaning in. But if I can trust that I'm full of the Lord and that he's got me and he's caring for me and he's enough and the cross is enough, then I can be, I can bring something to that table as opposed to needing someone else to meet my needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's just, yeah, I, I, that's amazing. So true. And, and it's countercultural to even, I would say even how we participate in community in church, right. Mm-hmm. We're generally okay with leaning in people's brokenness as long as it's, the kind of brokenness that can be fixed with a quick meal or a check to help you pay your bills. Or it doesn't directly affect us. Yeah. Like, but if it's broken, like, like addiction that I have to like lean into for the long haul with you. Nah, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll pray for you from over here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Okay. The truth that God is blank means a lot to you because blank. 
So this is derived pretty closely from this season of my life and just figuring out how to love people better, even when they hurt me. But um, Jackie Hill Perry wrote a book recently. I think it came out last year called Holier Than Thou. And in the beginning of the book, I want to say maybe the first chapter, there's this quote that says, if God is holy, then he can't sin. If God can't sin, then he can't sin against me. And if he can't sin against me, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being in my life? Talk about, (laughs) oh man, that quote has followed me for the Mm. last year because what it has challenged in me is, is God enough for me? Mm. Is God enough for me? Or do I also feel like I need the loyalty of everyone in my community? Like God's, God's faithfulness plus everyone else's faithfulness mm. or just God's faithfulness. And I think sometimes we, we, th- we talk about, think about, um, read about God's holiness. And we, we only really um, associate that with the wrath of God. That like if God is holy, then that means that we deserved wrath because of our sin since we are not holy. But the flip side of that is exactly what Jackie Hill Perry said. If God is holy, that means he can't sin. And if he can't sin, he can't sin against me. That, that makes him the only person I've ever known who has never sinned against me. And for someone like me with trust issues to know that God is that trustworthy, Mm. he is that trustworthy and it's all based on his holiness. So I don't have to be afraid of his holiness. I don't have to, to shrink myself because I don't measure up to his holiness. All I have to do is rest in his holiness because that means we're good. Mm. That means I can trust him to take care of me and to tell me the truth, to love me just as much as I need. Oh, so powerful and so steadying. Mm-hmm, right. Um, so good for us to keep in front of us. An yeah. attribute of his that we really, that seems kind of far off. And I think what you're saying can do a little bit of work in bringing it a little closer to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think going back to the whole, at least for me, my fear of leaning in because of how it will affect my reputation to know that, you know, that quote was about God. Jesus is God. So all those things are also true about Jesus. Mm. And Jesus leaned in, did ministry with people. His reputation was affected and people gossiped about him. People slandered him, but the gossip, slander, the, the false words were not a result of him doing something. It was a result of his obedience actually. And so, whereas those situations are happening in my own life, of course, I will weigh like, am I actually doing something wrong? Because I am a fallen sinful human being, but if I, if I lay my heart bare before the Lord and I'm like, no, Maggie, what you've been doing is, is walking in obedience. Then I can stand confident before the throne of grace Mm. that Sometimes obedience has has consequences because people around us are fallen. I was just about to say that. I'm like, sometimes like the, you know, you talk about Jesus and people talked about him, slander and gossip, like someone else's response 
is not the indicator or measure of fruitfulness or faithfulness. Yes. Yes. Because God's definition might be totally different. Yeah. And, and I think for those of us, I'm not a people pleaser, but (laughs) I have a lot of friends who are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for those who are people pleasers, that's a word. Yeah. Because I think the enemy will use people we love people whose opinions we respect, he will use their words to try to get us to not obey. Yes. Yes. Even if it's not even obeying God and taking a big visible step, but even in obeying God in um, resting or in peace or in trust, you know, like in how we parent. Yes. That's good. Um, Okay. My last question is what is something you are looking forward to? Okay, this is a big one. You know my story. Um, but for those who are listening who don't know my story, um, I come from a broken home and a home that was really full of conflict um, my entire childhood. And because of that, I never thought the the experiences like this dinner and discipleship we have are a miracle to me. To think that people could come into my home and feel peace feel hospitality, feel warmth, and experience, truly experience the love of God and the love of God and the power of the spirit that I never thought that that would happen. And so because of stuff like that, I probably since 2020 have been really, really convicted. I believe this maybe more than I believe anything else that (laughs) that revival starts at home because who we are at home is who we are. Who we are in stages isn't who we are, who we are in the boardroom and meetings isn't who we are, who we are at home in the, in the private corners of our lives. That's who we are. And that those are the spaces that God wants to change and revive because they're the places that often remain hidden. Um, and so because of that, I'm very excited <laughs> this weekend. Um, we are, our church is starting a new sermon series that I think it's eight weeks long, maybe. Um, it's our like big fall invitational series push. It's called winning at home, which I'm like, okay, only God. Yep. Only God. <laughs> um, and I'm preaching this weekend um, at one of our campuses, um, introing the series. And then on October 16th, I'm preaching in a different campus on marriage. And man, like I said, only, <laughs> only God, because the whole series really, but specifically to do the intro series about why this matters. Like this is my heartbeat more than Mm -hmm. anything else in the world. This is my heartbeat. And so to do the intro series and then to get to talk about marriage, an area that I felt so insecure coming into as a 23 year old, after having not seen successful marriages up close and how God has redeemed that and just been able to to use my story and my history to, to bring him glory. I, it just feels like full circle. Yes. That is so Listening friends. It means a lot that you added us to your day today. Thank you. Wherever you find yourself on your journey with Jesus, I hope you finished this episode with your faith inspired, refreshed, or strengthened. Mm -hmm.